Hello, Saubona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. And we love you guys. Come on, we've all been there, here. Yeah? We've all been there, man. The enemy does come and try to snuff us out sometimes. Um, but praise God for brothers and sisters and the house of God where we find our victory. If, you ever got a, if you've got a Bible this morning, you are blessed. If you have a notebook, you are even more blessed uh, because I have much I want to share with you. I'm going to be talking this morning about ambassadorial prayer. Can you say ambassadorial prayer? Um, yeah, I want to share with you this, uh, another way to pray, okay? My goal is to really put another arrow in your quiver this morning. And, um, and I want to say that if you can really master this thing called ambassadorial, it's what I'm just calling it, amb- ambassadorial prayer. If you can master this thing, you can really start to see the kingdom move in your life in new and amazing ways, um, and I really believe that God wants you to get this this morning. Uh, I really believe that this morning is going to be like a catalyst for you, just something that's going to release you. You might have known this before. You might have seen it before. You might have even felt it. You might have engaged in this type of prayer. But I wanna, what I want to do this morning is I want to pull it out. I want to put the spotlight on it, and I want to release you into it this morning so that you start to pray in this particular way. Um, you know, in life, skill matters. In your job, skill matters. In your studies, skill matters. And it's, it's interesting how we think that when it comes to prayer, skill doesn't matter. All we need is heart. And yes, you need the heart, okay? But there is skill in prayer as well. And so I want to empower you with some skill this morning on how you can pray effectively. And we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5, at verse 19. And we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, and there's, there's really there's two words that I want us to look at in this passage. Two words which I was looking at this, this week when I was studying this, and they really just stood out to me, and they hit me so powerfully, okay? And I want to share that with you. So 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19 to 20, that's our, our Scripture this morning. Can we read it together? Can we go? It's up there. It says, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, so that's really our passage this morning. The two words I want to highlight there is the word ambassador and the word plead. Um, And so this passage of scripture is, I mean, it's profound in so many ways. But but it tells us, okay, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to us. So when we see Jesus on earth, what we're actually seeing is God on earth. We're seeing God in his fullness, the Trinity, just every coming into Jesus and executing the will of God on earth. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So Jesus was on a mission not to condemn the world, but to save the world, not not putting their sins, not putting our sins on us, but rescuing us from our sins. So God came in Jesus, rescues the world from our sins. And then what he does is he goes, tag, you're it. 
How many of you played the game tag? When you're kids, you know, tag, you're it, okay? So Jesus comes on a mission from the Father. He's in the world, reconciling the world. He does his mission, and then he goes, tag, now it's your turn. Now you, you, he commits to us the word of reconciliation. And Paul kind of, he really grasps this. He really takes the tag seriously. You know, you, 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 some of us, you know, we, we, Jesus has given a, tagged us, and we're like, yeah, but Jesus is still your job. <laughs> you know, it's like a tag, you're it. It's like, are you, are you sure, Lord? Because I don't know, you are really good at it, and, you know, I'm happy to follow you, and everything. And he's like, tag, you're it. And we're negotiating and debating and kind of still thinking maybe it's not really me. Maybe like Spore is actually the the one who's tagged or, you know, it was Langer who's tagged or Marissa's been tagged, you know. Somebody else got tagged. I didn't really get tagged, you know. But but Paul says, no, God was in Christ reconciling the world to us. And then he committed it to us. He tagged us. We're it now. You know, he's given us this ministry of reconciliation. He's passed the baton on to us. And then he goes on and he says this word, now then. Now then, because of that, we are ambassadors of Christ. And that word that he uses there, the, the word ambassador, in the Greek is the word presbuo. You don't have to remember that. It's okay. It's the word presbuo. And, um, you know, when I went and studied it, I found out that this word is actually a big deal. This word is a big, big deal big deal. Why is it a big deal? Well, it's only used one other time in the New Testament when Paul said, I'm an ambassador in chains for Christ in Ephesians 6. And the reason why I say this is a big deal, because if you go study early Greek writings around the same time the New Testament was written, you find this word being used in uh, by, by the emperors, okay? And it's a word that means the following. It means it was actually the proper term in Greek, east, for the emperor's legate or envoy. I don't really use the word legate anymore. It's the word envoy, which is basically official representatives in war who alone had the power to negotiate terms of war and peace. That's what an ambassador was, okay? And that's how that word was used around the time the New Testament was written. So it, it was, uh, an ambassador was, a, was the emperor's legate, so what would happen is the emperor, like the Roman Empire, obviously referring to, would have, would, would have multiple wars going on, okay? Rome was just trying to expand all over the world. So east, west, north, south, they were, they were warring against different tribes and, and people groups, and they would come with their army, and they would engage in battle, and then what they would do is they would size up their enemy in, in various ways. So they would work out, can we do this? Can we not do this? The enemy would size them up. And then often in those days, they would try and negotiate because sometimes it wouldn't be wise to go to war against Rome. So sometimes it wouldn't be wise. And Rome knew that. They were quite a powerhouse. So what they would have is this official group of representatives, the people who would represent the crown, people who would represent Caesar, this this. Uh, official envoy of advisors and counselors, and they would send them to the battle lines, north, south, east, and west, and they, their job was to negotiate terms of war or peace. Their job was to come in and to negotiate with these foreign groups about how we go, are we going to settle this on the battlefield or are we going to settle this in some other way? And, and, they, and so they, they had a, a huge responsibility. They were, 
I mean, if you use this word ambassador in the time that the New Testament was written, everybody knew that, that those were like, you know, ministers of something. Those were chief justices. Those were, they, those were important people, okay? Very important people in society. Very select group of people. And what made their task even more challenging in those days was they didn't have electronic communication. They couldn't just phone the emperor and say, ah, the barbarians want this, this, and this, and this. Is that okay? You know? They, they had to know what, what the king wanted. <laughs> they had to know what the king wanted, and they had to represent the king and negotiate on behalf of the king. And so, you know, when Paul uses this word, we are ambassadors for Christ, he chose a word with incredible dignity, incredible, I don't know, what is what a weight, you know, incredible power. There was, he chose a word that's significant, and he applied it to us and said that we are those ambassadors for Christ. We are the official envoy of the king, who, and we go and we negotiate terms of war and peace. And you know, when Paul uses this word, what he does is he magnifies our role in, the gospel, in sharing the gospel. He really, not only does he magnify God by saying, you know, this, we're, but he's in God's government, but he's magnifying the role of sharing the gospel. How I many you know that sometimes, you know, we carry Jesus and we're a little bit ashamed of this gospel? And, you know, uh, and we feel embarrassed to say, hey, can I, can I pray for you? Or can I, can I tell you about the gospel? Has anyone ever shared the gospel with you? And we, we kind of carry it with this, like, you know, this, you know, we, we kind of, like, not sure if we can share it or something. And Paul's, he, I think he would like to say to us, listen, you are an ambassador. What you're carrying is, is the heart of the king. What you're carrying are a, is something from the government of God. This is like, forget about earthly governments. This is the government of God. You are an official representative of the government of God. And what you are doing is highly important. All right? It, is, it carries incredible weight on it. And, uh, and the fact that he used this word, okay, when you study the rest of Scripture, what you find is that he's, he's, he's fully in, in his right to use this word. Because when you look at it, you see is that when we are in sin, we're actually enemies of God. And that God's, it's about God's wrath abiding against sin. And if we're friends with the world, then we're enemies with God. You know, to be friend of the world is to be an enmity, enmity with God. And so the battle lines are drawn on this world. And there is, you know, it's the, the camp of sin and the, under the you know, under Satan, and there's the righteous on the earth, and, and the battle lines are drawn, and, there is, and war is imminent. Judgment is imminent. God will be coming back. The next time Jesus comes back, it will be in flaming fire with his angels to pronounce judgment on sin. So, the, so battle is certain. And so what is he sent the church as his envoy to come and negotiate terms of peace before that time comes before battle, so that people won't be lost in battle, so that we'd have peace 
rather than that. So every time we're sharing the gospel, we're actually, that's what we're doing. We're peace negotiators here. We're helping people say, hey, listen, there's a day coming. And are you sure you're able to stand on that day? Do you know that what, that the government of God, do you understand the law of this God? Do you understand this God? He's done this through Jesus Christ. He loves you. He doesn't want you to be a part of that judgment moment. He's made a way for you to escape that. Do you want to take that way? This is a, this is a, this is like a, we, we saving lives here, you know? So this is it's fitting that Paul uses this word ambassador. He places incredible dignity on us as the church. Incredible weight on us. Why don't you look at somebody this morning, nudge them and say, you're an ambassador for Christ. Say, good morning, ambassador. The next word I want, I want to draw our attention to ambassadors is, um, is this word pleading, as though, as though God were pleading through us. In the Greek, it's the word parakaleo, and para means to come alongside, and kaleo means to call or invite or comfort or beckon. Um, and, and so the picture over here, Pumlani, why don't you just come on up and just start walking. Okay, just, you can just slowly walk that way. To parakaleo means that is, is to do this, is to come alongside. As someone is on their journey, all right, I come alongside and I beckon him and I say, would you, would you want to come this way? Are you, are you sure? Do you want to come this way? All right, you preach, bro. <laughs> you know, you just, you gently, very humbly, it's not like I'm yanking him and telling him where to go. It's a very gentle, beckoning, loving, humble Approach, inviting, becking, parakaleo. I'm parakaleoing you. I'm, 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 is pukuzela the right word? I don't know. Is, is that the right one? <laughs> you know, just, just move you along gently, you know? So. <laughs> It's, it's, it's not any, there's nothing forceful, okay? And so what's crazy about this passage of scripture that if you understand Greek and if you were somebody living in the time that this letter was written in, you would see these two words, that word ambassador would be like, you, are you serious? We're really like this? You know, it would be like a wow. Are you, are you kidding? And then you'd see this word, um, uh, parakaleo coming as well. And the two, uh, you know, they almost don't fit together. They don't fit together. It's like, you know, the one is so official and so weighty and important. And then parakaleo is like so humble and gentle. And it's like ambassadors don't parakaleo. You know that, you know what I mean? They, they come and negotiate. They seal the deal. They, you know, how many of you watch suits? Those, all those, you know, those legal whatevers, you know? Where they, they come in and they say, this is what it is. And the other person says, no, this is what it is. And then they find some term and then they bring that out and then they go, I gotcha. And then they seal the deal. You know, lawyers, you know how they are. They gotcha, you know, they gotcha with something, you know. So, so to put parakaleo and ambassador in the same sentence, it's almost like, what? Where do you find ambassadors that parakaleo? It's just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Paul's trying to show how incredible 
this gospel is. And what he's describing is how the gospel advances. We're given so much position. We're given so much authority. We're given so much weight and importance. Yet the way in which we execute that is with servant hearts, with gentle spirits, with love, with care, with a beckoning rather than a demanding, which is really what Jesus did. I mean, he was the ultimate ambassador of God who came to this earth representing the Father, but he humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant, and, he, and, 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 and shared the gospel in an invitational way. I am the way, the truth, and life. Any man who comes to me will not perish. You know, there's an invitation. Anyone out there who's thirsty, anyone out there, come to me and drink. You know, there was this invitational approach, yet he had all this authority, all this weight, all this thing on him, which is incredible. It's like it's the, it's the equivalent of the president arriving at your house, knocking on your door and saying, hi, can I come inside for dinner? What's the first thing that will come to your mind if that happened? Oh, who is my house clean or dirty? Who? And what's, what's behind that is who am I that the president would knock on the door of my house and want to come into my house and have dinner with me? And that's exactly how we should feel about the gospel. Who are we that the king of glory with all that weight and all that position would come and humble himself like this? And invite us so gently, so tenderly. And I, I pray we never lose that understanding. I pray we never lose that, that the weight of what this, this gospel is. You know, in, in Luke um, 14, Jesus was talking to his disciples. And he was, and he was talking about um, lordship and following him. And he, says, he said these words. He's, oh, it's going to come up. He says, what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation, ambassadors, and asks conditions of peace. And what he was saying there was like, what you should do is, is just do a size estimation. You, and do a size estimation of God. That's what, he was, that's what he was going after in this passage here. Do a, do a size estimation. Are you able to face him who's coming at you? <laughs> You're going to stand before him. Are you able to stand before him? Will your army be able to stand up against his army? Will your arguments be able to stand up against his arguments? Will your, you know, little theory about, well, I didn't like the Bible, well, would that stand up when you face to face with him? You know, and if not, then settle now quickly. <laughs> settle now quickly. Make, make a plan. But what is, what is, what are, what clauses are available to me so that when I'm there, I'm gonna be okay? What, what, what can I do now? And obviously he's talking about the gospel. The way you settle is by repenting of your sins. So get rid of them. <laughs> Throw them as far as you can and follow Christ. You know, that is the way that he's made for you. But you know what's even more incredible about this passage? is that it's typically the onus on the weak party to make right with the stronger party. The stronger party doesn't really send delegations that often. It's normally the weaker party is like, whoa, hang on, bro. Okay, let's get some guys together. Go ask them what's the terms of peace. The crazy thing about our gospel, all right, is that it's the stronger party. 
who sent his delegation to us, the weaker, to go and negotiate terms of peace. That Jesus came and took on the form of a servant and humbled himself even to the point of the cross, dying on our behalf so that we could have a way. When it actually should have been us going to God in the first place, but God's coming to us with a delegation of peace. That's, you know, that's the crazy thing about this gospel. That's the beauty of this gospel. Let's never lose that. Amen. So what about our role as ambassadors? Let's, let's go back there. What are our roles as ambassadors? Well, what do ambassadors do? They do two things mainly. Firstly, they represent. And secondly, they exercise authority. Okay? Ambassadors represent and they exercise authority. And what do I mean when I say they represent? Well, ambassadors are people who are sent on behalf of. They speak on behalf of. So they, they're actually representing the government from which they come from. Um, so it's, a, it's, it's important that they understand the government that they come from and represent it well. Wouldn't you say so? Okay. And they exercise authority. They carry the power of attorney, in other words. In other words, they can sign on behalf of the king. They can execute things in that position as though the king were doing it himself. (laughs) They're empowered with authority to act on the government's behalf. So they exercise authority on behalf of their government. And when we look at Jesus, we see that obviously he was the ultimate ambassador. I mean, he represented, A, all right? He represented really well. Whatever I see my father doing, that's what I do. Whatever I hear my father saying, that's what I say. He, he was like this perfect, rep- if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He represented the father in everything that he did, the perfect ambassador. And he executed exercised authority. You know, the the astounding thing about the the ministry of Jesus to the Pharisees in his day and to his disciples was that what they marveled when they saw him was that he he was one who had authority. They said, it's like he has authority. It's like, you know, and that was, was fresh to them because everybody would preach about what they've heard somebody else preach about or say, but here came someone who just spoke with authority. This is how it is. He preaches as one with authority. And when you look at the life of Jesus and his ministry, what you notice is that he didn't pray for healings. He just commanded them. You know, you don't ever see Jesus going, Father, I pray for this blind guy, and I ask that you would give him his eyes. What do you see Jesus say? Receive your sight. Stretch out your hand. Pick up your bed and walk. Lazarus, come forth. You know, you just see him executing authority and everything is just bowing to that authority. Why? Because he understood he was an ambassador of God. The works that I do, he said, are because the Father has empowered me to do them. So he is one carrying authority. (laughs) Y'all, you seeing where I'm going. So... If we're ambassadors, it means that we are then called to represent and we are called to execute authority, all right, to exercise our authority. So what does that mean? Well, firstly, representing, Jesus said this. He said in John 20, verse 21, 
And I want you to get this this morning because this is your identity, people. Jesus said to them again. Can we read it? So Jesus said to them again. Peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. Tag. (laughs) Tag, you're it. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, man, like I, I, I just feel like some of us need to get this this morning. And I feel like you need to own this. There is too much negotiation in our hearts around what these words of Jesus. There is, there is too much unbelief in our hearts around this. And I'm telling you, most of us are like, oh, we, but we just want to be humble. And you, listen, your humble pie is not for this moment, okay? This is your moment to be honored. <laughs> this is your moment to be honored. The, the, the chief ambassador, the king of kings, all right, has sent you just as the Father sent him. In the same way, in the same manner, with the same authority, with the same purpose, he has sent you into the world. Own it. Receive it. Don't negotiate with it. Just understand it. Say, this is who I am. I am, an, I am a sent one. I am an ambassador of the Most High God. This is what he has called me to do. Because why? Because identity always precedes destiny. You keep looking down on yourself. You just never, ever rise to who God's called you to be. You are as you think you are in your heart. As, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So you as a Christian, when you say I'm a Christian and you're an ambassador, you own that thing, man. Own that thing. You'll never really like step into representing Christ fully until you understand the magnitude that you've been made an ambassador of the government of God to represent Him here in this world. You know, when you know that and when you own that, your dress changes, your language changes, your posture changes, your life mission changes, your strategy changes, your mouth changes. Everything begins to change because you got your identity right. And I want you to get that this morning. I want you to be released into that this morning. Stop thinking this humble pie, oh, I'm just a servant. You are an ambassador of the Most High God. Represent Him. I don't know if I, yes, you can. You can. You can. So, so, so we should make it our goal to represent him well, okay? And then he gave us authority. Let's just talk about that for a moment. So ambassadors do two things. What do they do there? And there? What do they do there? And there? They what? They do? And? Just got to get you all awake, Okay. They represent and they exercise authority. Do you know that you've been given authority as a Christian? If Christ lives in you, the Spirit of God lives in you, have authority. <laughs> you know, when you realize the authority you have, hell trembles, man. I think Satan's biggest weapon against the church is to try and get it to, to, to be deceived, to not understand the authority that we have in Christ. Everything changes when you understand the authority that God has given us. Everything changes. In particular, your prayer changes. Okay? And I'm going to talk about that now in a moment. But he gives us authority. In Luke 10, 19, he says, Behold, I to and over 
all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Behold, I give you authority. He said also in, in, in John 16, he gave us the right to use his name. Up until now, you've never asked in my name, but now I give you my name. Use my name. What is he giving us? He's giving us power of attorney. He's giving us power of attorney. We need to grasp this thing, people. When you say the name of Jesus, it's not just a religious tag on your prayers. It's a royal seal. It's a power of attorney that we're executing on behalf of the king. So we better make sure we pray right. Amen. <laughs> Skills important. You know, we, we've got to stop messing around. Stop messing around with, with this identity thing we're going through, this crisis we're going through. Own it and walk in it. So he's given us authority to use his name. And in Matthew 18, 18, he said, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. I tell you, assuredly, I say to you, if two or more agree to anything on earth, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Guys, do you understand those words? How powerful that is. How much authority we've got to bind and to loose, to use the name of Jesus. It's massive. So when we look at the New Testament, what we see, I'm getting somewhere. Are you still with me? Okay. This is all build up, all right? <laughs> when you look at the New Testament, what we see, there's two things that we call to. Okay. There's two roles that we call to. We call to sonship. All right. And we call to an ambassadorial role. There's two roles that we play. Uh, what I mean by sonship? Well, when you get born again, you, you, you enter the family of God. The Bible says that you're literally born of God. God becomes your father, and you are in the family of God. And there's this incredible, now you're family with God. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing. It's like you have a father in heaven who loves you. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's what everyone, you know, it's, it's more than what we could possibly wish for. Um, but then there is also this ambassadorial role in the Bible. So we see a sonship role, and we see the ambassadorial role. And the ambassadorial role is more about being a witness for Christ. It's about being a disciple of Christ. It's about representing God. It's about executing authority on the earth. And they are very different roles. And for many, for many of us, we get them confused. We really like the sonship role. And we camp out in the sonship role. And all our prayers are sonship prayers. And we, we, you know, God is Father, and we don't really move on from that. And we never should move on from that. But what I'm saying is that we never really embrace this other identity that Scripture is giving us as ambassadors of Christ. And so what we find is we find a weak, surviving church rather than a powerful, thriving, expanding church. If you want to see the kingdom expand in your life, righteousness, peace, joy, prosperity, the purpose of God, the plan of God, the prosperity of God in your life, you have to step into your ambassadorial role. You've got to learn how to establish and execute authority if you really want to see. Why? Because you live in enemy-occupied territory and the battle lines are drawn. And you have to step into that identity if you want to see God move in those ways in your life. So they're, they're very different roles. They're different hats that we wear at the same time. We should never take them both off, but we should understand when we're operating in them. They have very different prayer positions. What do I mean? Well, father-son prayer is when we approach the Father for fellowship and for our needs. Jesus said this in Matthew 7. He said, 
what man is there amongst you who, when his son comes and asks for bread, will give him a stone? And if he asks for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask from him? So he was talking about this father relationship that we have with this, the sonship relationship with God and, and that we can approach God and we can get our needs met and we can come to Him for repentance and healing and cleansing and wisdom and guidance and strength and, you know, vision and direction and all the, you know, we can come to Him for all of these things. But then ambassadorial prayer is different. It's when we approach the world system as representatives of the King and His kingdom to exercise the authority that he has given us. So in sonship prayer, we approach the Father for our needs. But in an ambassadorial prayer, we approach the world as representatives of the king. Okay, The world's system as representatives of the king. And so ambassadorial prayer looks more like declarations. It looks more like commanding. Instead of asking, seeking, knocking, okay, that's like sonship prayer. It looks more like we're declaring and we're decreeing things. It, more, it looks more like an exercise in authority. It's a prayer, it's where we use the prayers of binding and loosing. It's the prayer where we speak to that mountain and we say, be taken up and be removed in the name of Jesus. And mountains are, are Jesus was telling us, are obstacles, spiritual strongholds, in the way of what God has promised, in the way of what his kingdom, uh, it, where his kingdom needs to advance. So, so, and he told us, he didn't tell us to speak to him about the mountains. So that's different. That's sonship prayer. You know, and this is where we have, we have to get this right, church, because some of you are speaking to God about the mountains, and God is looking at you and saying, you need to speak to the mountain. Step into your role as ambassador. It's like, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm just sharing from my personal life here because I've been praying somewhat and God has been saying, like, I pray and then God is like, mm-mm. I'm like, what do you mean, mm-mm? It's like, you, you're doing this wrong. If you need this, this is, you've got to step into commanding. Go command a few things. Go execute a few declarations, Wayne. You know, go and, and speak to those mountains. Go and command them to me. Don't come talk to me about the mountains. Be the ambassador I've called you to be. Okay, Lord, I'm getting this thing. You know, okay? So often I find I'm slipping into this thing, and I'm thinking if I'm doing it, I'm guessing you're doing it as well. Is that we, you know, sonships, my kids, they come running to me, you know, like when life is hard. You know, and I love them and everything. But you know what I then tell them to do? You can face this. You can do this thing. Go. Off you go. And they come right, and they don't want to face certain things. I'm finding that with the, they don't want to. They're like, and I'm like, I'm behind you. I'm not going to do it for you. You're going to do this thing. That's what a good parent does. If you step in and fight every kid's battle, they'll never learn and grow and become what they're called to be. Why is it that God left tribes in the promised land for the Israelites to defeat them to defeat? He destroyed Egypt. Boom. That God, Jesus, Jesus destroyed Satan, robbed him of all his power. Boom. But there's still a few demonic strongholds left here on earth. And he's looking at us and saying, go for it, man. You can do this thing. Take him out. Step into your role as a warrior, as an ambassador, and execute judgment as though I was doing it. 
and I'll back you. I'm behind you. You speak it, I'll do it. <laughs> so there's two, these two roles, okay? When the Israelites were coming out of Egypt, what I find absolutely incredible is God leads them to this place where the, basically he leads them into a dead end. The Red Sea is in front of them, and the Egyptian army is chasing down their back. They're in, he deliberately leads them into a dead end. And they all freaking out the chariots are coming at them you know there's there's ocean in front of them none of them like got you know know how to swim they were like you know we didn't learn this in egypt and so we can't this is a we know we know the nile but the red sea is pretty much bigger how are we going to do this they, they're trapped they're stuck they feel powerless they feel unable they and what do we do when we feel like that we cry <laughs> we cry and we run to father look at what the father says to them in this moment, they come running to the father. And the father says, why do you cry to me? <laughs> well, because you let us here and we don't have anything. And then the thing was there and then they've got big swords and everything. You're wrong and I don't have this and I don't have... Why are you crying to me? Well, it's pretty obvious why we're crying to you. You brought us here, you know? And now it's, it's, it's tough and it's hard and it, it, I don't know how I'm going to pay the fees at the end of the month and I don't know where this is going to come from. And, I, you know, and what does he say to them? Tell the people to go forward. Lift up your rod, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. Like it's easy. Like it's easy. <laughs> you know, God obviously did it. But he wanted something in them to rise up and step into authority and step into what God has called them to do and command a few things. Speak to that ocean. Speak to that mountain. You know, tell it to get out the way. Command that bond to be paid off in the name of Jesus. Call that vehicle in. Let salvation come to your family. You know what I mean? Just start acting like a king and an ambassador, you know? So, and it's, and it's what I find is we, we don't easily rise up to this. And I'm just here to irritate you this morning and say, come on, rise up to this, man. Rise up to this. You're some, we can't cry to the Lord all the time. We've got to step into who he's called us to be. Step in our authority. Make a few declarations, amen? amen. I love the way Joshua totally got this. You know, Joshua's incredible. I love Joshua. Joshua is amazing. So he's in the heat of battle. The sun's going down. And now he's, gonna, he's not going to be able to, to do what he had planned to do that day. He'll be run out of time or something he's running out of time so he just looks up in the heat of battle and he just says sun stand still over gibeon moon stand still over the valley of Ajalon." and he carries on doing his business <laughs> and and it says in, in in judges chapter 10 that and never before joshua chapter 10 never before was there a day like it where god heeded the voice of a man God could actually heed your voice. I don't know you, that's powerful. I want you to know that's what he wants from us. He wants us to mature to the place where we, where we act in such a way that he heeds our voice. That's what sons are meant to be like. To the, with their, and that's how fathers are meant to be with their sons. That we get to the place like that. Jesus modeled the same thing. He's in the boat, sleeping, the storm comes. He told them to go to the other side, so the disciples are paddling and rowing and whatever, and they're getting there. The storm comes. Water's falling in the boat. He's asleep. They freak out. 
He gets up. What's going on, guys? Rebukes the storm, says, be still, be calm, and it just obeys. I don't know if he did, went back to sleep then, you know. <laughs> but before he did, he said, oh, ye of little faith, little maturity, little you don't understand. He was expecting them to do it. He was like, often many times he looked at his disciples and said, come on, you know, how long must I be with you? How long must I be with you? you, you this is stuff you should be doing. Will you receive the baton this morning? Will you step into your identity? Whew! So what do we decree and what do we declare and what do we command? Let's just go there. You still all right? You know, this thing can get a little bit out of hand in charismatic circles. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I decree this burger will not give me any calories. I declare that these jeans will fit when I wear them. You're like, really? <laughs> we're decreeing, we're finding parkings. We dec- you know what, what? Where are the boundaries <laughs> of this thing? <laughs> um, what exactly do we command and what do we declare and what do we decree? Okay? In Scripture, we, we do not command God. I just want that to be clear this morning. Or His angels even. Okay, they are his angels. They do what he tells them to do. Okay, we can ask him to send his angels. We can ask, you know, we can request, but we don't really have the power to command God and command angels to do anything. What we do have is command the ability to command the enemy. God has given us authority over Satan and every demonic power, and he's told us to execute authority over them to cast them out to drive them out wherever they are. So we have authority to command evil spirits. But we don't command people. We don't command angels. And we don't command God. So we do get that right, okay? What do we declare as ambassadors? Well, remember, ambassadors are not about their own plan. You know, when they get sent, they're not there to, like, further their own objectives. They are there on behalf of the king. So they execute the will of the king. So what do we declare and what do we uh, decree? We declare decree and declare the will of God, okay? Which means we need to know the will of God. Uh-huh. How many of you struggle to know the will of God? Lord, what do you want to do in this circumstance? Romans 12 says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may able, be able to understand the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. If you don't understand the will of God, it's because your mind is in the way. And you need to go renew your mind, spend time, find out what the will of God is, and begin to declare and decree the will of God over circumstances, over your life. Don't be flippant about it. Make sure you know it. Okay? And the most common way we we make declarations is really in worship. We were doing it this morning. Worship is... Is, is all about making declarations. We're declaring the greatness of God. We're declaring the goodness of God. We're declaring the power of God. And, and what we're doing, I want you to understand this, because like, it's probably best when we see it. We have no problem doing it in worship, but we really struggle to do it in our prayer lives. 
And I want us just to take what we do in worship and put it into our prayer lives as well, people. Okay, take it and put it in. Because when, you, when you're making declarations, okay, you're declaring the goodness of God. You're declaring who you are in God. You're declaring the power of God. We are releasing the will of God into the climate, into the atmosphere over our lives, over our families, over our businesses, even over the city. And it is so important because it's declarations that change the climates. And climates are really important because whatever the climate is, is what you'll see in the natural. Everything in the natural is subject to the climate that it lives on. I mean, you go anywhere in the world, what, what's the, 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 the vegetation is a, is, is a response to the climate. Well, when we look around our city and we see sin rampant, it's just actually a reflection of what climate we're under, of who's ruling, of who's reigning in the heavens. So the earth is like a mirror reflecting back what's there. When we look at the life of Jesus, he operated under an open heaven. And so we see heaven flowing through his life. He was under a different climate to everybody else, okay? And so when we release declarations, what we're doing is we are changing climates. We're declaring the lordship of God over circumstances, over our lives, over bodies, over minds, over everything, and we are changing climates. And as we change climates, we see the natural start to change as well. This is just a principle we need to grasp, okay? You know, it's possible that you can be under, like, a climate, under stuff. Who knows what I'm talking about? You just, you feel like you're under something. It's just something that you're under, man. And the Bible talks about this. You know, it says that you, we must be renewed in the spirit of our minds. Be renewed in the climate of your minds. And the way you do that is by making declarations. You start to declare who you are, who God is what God wants to do in your life. You know, when you pick up prophetic words and scriptures and the will of God over your life and you just begin to release them saying, Lord, I thank you that you have called me to prosper, that I am more than a conqueror, that you are for me and not against me, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world, that my home will be saved, my children will serve you, that, Lord, I will prosper in everything I put my hands to. Father God, I will increase, I will not diminish. I am blessed, I am not cursed. I walk in the favor and the light of God. What are you doing? You are decreeing and declaring into the atmosphere of your life the will of God. And there are a lot of people who say, oh, that's just positive speaking and nonsense. You know, you don't do that. That's rubbish, okay? It's, it's powerful. You know, it, it, it is huge. And what you're doing in that moment is you're engaging in ambassadorial prayer. That's how ambassadors pray. They decree and declare the will of God over their lives, no, it says the word came to the Israelites, but because they did not mix it with faith, it profited them nothing. Faith is released in declarations. You must learn to speak over your life, speak over your circumstances, and then take it bigger. Speak over the business, over the company. You know, it's possible that you can be working for a company, but the company can work for you. It depends on what kind of climate is there. And you've got the authority as Christ to take authority in that place and change that climate by making declarations in that place. So where you see sin abounding and you see nonsense happening and you're seeing this happening and injustice and whatever, what do you do? Oh, God, my boss, my, my co-worker. No, no, no. Why do you cry to me? 
Okay? Step into your ambassadorial role and walk through that place and make a few declarations. Take authority in that house. Command the few things. Kick out the enemy. Drive him out. Tell him he's got no place there. Exit, bind him. You know, loose the power of God in that place. Step into your ambassadorial role. You know, you're not in that moment. You're not asking for you, for it to be done. You're declaring what God, what you know, the King wants done already. Okay, so what you know, he, what He wants done already. That's what you are speaking. And the amazing thing, when you look at the life of David, and those, read the Psalms, most of the Psalms are just declarations. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear. Why? Because his rod is with me. His staff is with me. Those are declarations, people. The Lord is my strength. He is my strong tower. The Lord is the rock of my life. He is my redeemer. He is my strong tower. He is the light of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? He had every right to be afraid in that moment. People were hunting him down like he was some sort of animal. Trying to flush him out, trying to kill him. And he was making declarations of your hand, Lord God, will bring justice in my circumstance. You will defeat my enemies, Lord God. You will crush them, Father God. He was just making declaration after declaration over his life. I reckon if he did it, we should too. Go read the Psalms, people. You'll, you'll be astounded. Most of it is just a declaration. Declaration. Who God is. Who he's called us to be. You know, in Psalm 65, he spoke, he said these words, you crown the year with bounty and goodness and your paths drip with abundance. When you study that, that was actually a time of drought. He was declaring the goodness and the provision of God in drought. That's what ambassadors do. That's what kings do, people. We don't wait for circumstances to praise God. We start to praise God now and declare who He is, especially when the circumstances don't line up. And so what we find in the church is people who see negative circumstances and they're running off to Australia and they're running off to this place and they're running off to that place. When actually we have the authority here to declare exactly what the kingdom is going to be like, what, what, what heaven we live under. If we're tired of the heaven we live under, then people, let's change it. <laughs> Amen? So two points I'll leave you with this morning. I'll close with this. Declarations frame your future. They frame your future. Who you becoming and what you will have are what's coming out of your mouth. Declarations frame your future. Look at somebody and say, declarations frame your future. Two examples on this. Abraham, God appears to Abraham, reveals himself as El Shaddai, right? The God that's more than enough, the God who provides. And then he says, and your name will no longer be Abraham, which means exalted father, but I'm changing it to Abraham, which means father of nations, okay? Did he have any children at that time? No. So what was God doing? Making a declaration. And he changed Abraham's declaration. People say, who are you? You'd go, Abraham. I mean, sorry, I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. I'm Abraham. So when you make a declaration of who God is, El Shaddai, and you make a declaration of who you are in Christ, you start to see the promises fulfilled in your life. 
Let me tell you something. It's a catalyst for the promises. I think some of us are not going to walk in the promises until we start changing our declarations of who He is and who we are in Him. If you want to accelerate the promise, some of you have got promises that are dormant in your lives. And they're waiting for you to release some declaration. Who God is, who He's called me to be. When, God spoke, when Jesus spoke to Peter, He said He was talking to His disciples. He said, who do you say I am? And some were saying, Elijah, some were saying this, some of that. And then Peter got up and he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He made a declaration of who God is. And what did God do? What did Jesus do? And you are Petros. You are no longer, you are Petros, all right? And on this rock, I will build my church. Declarations frame your future. Start to declare who God is. And what he's called you to do, and Peter stepped in. He was released in that moment in one declaration, all right, into his destiny and his purpose, okay? So the second thing I want to leave you with this morning, firstly, declarations frame your future. Secondly, declarations destroy spiritual strongholds, okay? We, we live in enemy-occupied territory, people, and, and there will be resistance to the call and destiny of God in your life, okay? The disciples get in the boat. They're doing what God's called them to do, and a storm comes. That's like life. God, we get into the boat with Jesus, and we start to go forward, and guess what? Storms come. Sickness attacks, financial attacks, family things start going. Stuff happens, okay? But declarations are what destroy spiritual strongholds. Jesus said, speak to that mountain. Speak to that stronghold. Speak to that storm. All right? Some of us are freaking out at the moment. Our boats are going to sink. Ah, you're freaking out. You feel like the boat's going to sink. I'm not going to ask you to wave your hand. <laughs> there are some of you here. You're feeling like the boat. What do you need to do? Make some declarations. You need to start speaking to those storms. Amen? All right. Let's stand to our feet. <clears throat> Let's leave it there for this morning. Let's just take a moment to pray. I want us to make, like, just maybe we could just close our eyes. I want us to make, like, just do a prophetic action this morning, okay? Um, I want to ask you to take a small step forward just now, not now, just a small step forward. I know we're in rows and it's difficult, but just a little step forward, okay, um, in a moment, all right? Symbolically, what I want you to do this morning is I want you to step into your role as an ambassador, and I feel like you need to do it with a repentant heart this morning. Many of us are very comfortable in, in the sonship, father, prayer thing, but we're not comfortable in the ambassadorial role. We haven't yet received the tag from Jesus, this identity. And it's key to us walking in victory. And so for, I feel like... We need to have a moment just, if where you are, just to repent before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I haven't taken your word seriously. I haven't represented well. 
and I haven't executed the authority that you've given me. Kind of been a bit of a rogue ambassador, if you like. <laughs> and then when you're ready, I want you just to take a small step forward. And symbolically what you're doing is you're saying, God, I'm going to step into this role. From now on, my prayer life changes. From now on, the way I think about the world and you. Listen, God is not your problem, people. God, some of you are running to God like he's the problem. He is not the problem. You can move heaven. You can change those circumstances. There is authority within you. There is power in your words. And God is wanting to raise you as a son, raise you into maturity, to step into the fullness of your identity. And when you're ready, why don't you just take a step forward, and I'm going to pray for you. Father, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for schooling us in your ways, Lord God. Lord, I pray that we'd be a church of ambassadors this morning, a church of men and women who understand our identity in you, what you've called us to do. I pray, Father God, that we would all start to step into this, this role, this identity in you start to execute authority, start to represent you better to this world. But we haven't, we repent. Make us a prayer warrior church, Lord God. Make us a church that's strong, taking authority wherever we find ourselves, at work, at home, in the neighborhoods, Lord God, in the prayer room, praying over our city. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. Please join us with tea and coffee outside. If there's uh, visitors, don't forget to join us in the Connect Zone. Hello, guys. Guys, have an amazing week. And we will... See you next week with all your testimonies of advancing the kingdom. Amen. Come on. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at ianderban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.